0: Coming up on this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the first episode of 2020, Gigafactory 3 gets rolling, we've got another new Tesla battery patent to learn from and speculate about, an interview with the creator of the newest game to come to the Tesla's Stardew Valley, and more. new year friends welcome to episode 231 of ride the lightning the weekly tesla unofficial podcast this one's for january 5th 2020 we are into a brand new year i am alongside daisy the boxer puppy and this is going to be uh, a little bit busier of a week than i thought i'd be i thought it would be really dead as far as tesla news goes but there was still a few things to talk about i hope everybody had a safe happy and healthy new year uh, I did have those things, although getting to this point was a little harrowing. I'll tell you real quick, since there are only a few Tesla stories to talk about this week, I want to tell you about my drive from San Francisco to Phoenix first. So first and foremost, thankfully, I did get here unharmed, and so did my occupants, and so did the car itself. But my goodness, the day was awful. So the first leg went tremendously, did a 100% charge on the car set out from my home at about 8.30 or so a.m., and then made for Kettleman City as the first stop, which Kettleman City, if you've never been there, I've talked about it on the podcast before, it is just an absolutely wonderful charging location. That's the big one with 40 stalls, V2s, and a mix of now V3s in there. And then there's the private lounge. You need the key code to get in, which the car displays for you as you're getting close. And, yeah, there's a barista in there, there's some workspace, there are nice uh, clean restrooms, there's some just quiet space, and it's, a, it's just a really, really nice supercharger. So, got there, no problem. However, on the way to Kettleman City, there were LED billboards along Interstate 5 that can be updated by Caltrans, presumably the CHP, Caltrans, the government, to let you know what's going on with the roads, and so there was a sign that popped up there on the LED billboard that said, snow on I-5 at the Grapevine, CHP escorting traffic. So the Grapevine, if you're not familiar, is a mountain range with uh, some you know pretty good elevation. I think it gets up to maybe 4,500-something feet, maybe 5,000 feet, I'm not entirely sure, uh, near just north of L.A., so the direct, it's the direct route between San Francisco and Los Angeles, and of course, I was looking to go right over the grapevine and then cut over and head east towards Phoenix. Well, as soon as I saw that snow, I, uh, I started to panic a little bit because, you know, as you guys know, I have a Performance Model 3, and I live in San Francisco year-round, so it's a very moderate climate, and I... Typically, have oh well. To date, I have left the summer tires on year round because the temperatures never get super cold and we don't get snow. Well, but I do know for a fact that the summer performance tires are really, really, truly not meant for snow. They're at, let alone or just cold conditions. Period. So that made me pretty worried right there. I, I saw I got into Kettleman, plugged in, and I was able to get a V three spot. And I didn't get the full 250 kilowatts of, you know, max possible charge rate. I got up to, I think I got up to about 220 or 225. I have a screenshot of, or a picture of it on my phone. So I was getting a pretty good charge rate, went inside, you know, let, relieve the dog, uh, let my daughter kind of run around uh, on the, there's a hillside right there where there's just nothing and she could run around and burn some energy and having been in the car for, you know, three hours up to that point, something like that. And so I went in the lounge and just politely asked the room, "Hey, did anybody come up over the Grapevine from from the south from Los Angeles?" and nobody said yes. So it was sort of a an interesting predicament. Uh you know, what do I do? There's if there's snow up there and it's in to a degree that the California Highway Patrol is escorting traffic that sounds like it's you know, not the safest of conditions and CHP wants to control people's speed. So I made the decision that it would not be worth the risk to take the summer tires into the snowy conditions of the grapevine. Of course, the car is more than capable. That's the thing. Uh, it was, you know, I've got an all-wheel drive Tesla. So that's that's not the problem. It's simply the tires. And, you know, basically it was like I wore basketball shoes to a mountain climb and we're just like you know maybe you could make that mountain climb in those basketball shoes but it's probably not a good idea and it's just not the right footwear it's not the safest decision to be made so i went ahead and i knew then okay i'm gonna go around that means i have to go to the west to the coast or to the east inland and uh, i spoke to someone else another tesla owner who had just come up from the coast And said it was an absolute disaster because I-5, the grapevine, had been shut down up until apparently that morning. So it had been completely shut down. So that means just all traffic had to divert east and west. So it was clogging everything up. He said, uh, the gentleman I spoke with said it was just a nightmare trying to come up uh, the the coast. So I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to go that way then. I'll take my chances going inland. I looked at Google Maps and uh, headed that way. And well, as I did, certainly there was an elevation climb, and uh, boy, it, suddenly I was driving through a winter wonderland. Thankfully, it wasn't snowing, and the temperature was in the low 40s, but it sure had snowed. It was wow! It was completely just white blanketed. These these folks had had uh, probably a white Christmas. So uh, yeah, that was so that was okay. So, um, the problem though was. There was a lot of traffic that way, too. So it was a lot of stop-and-go traffic. It was Highway 58, if you're curious to kind of follow along with this on a map. Or if you're familiar with the area. And, uh, yeah, so I just got into traffic and started started doing the traffic thing. And then the car wanted to route me, uh, wanted me to get off that crowded highway and kind of wind my way around to some kind of adjacent roads. And I thought, well... There's a risk in that because that could take me up higher. That could take me. I don't know what those roads look like, but the the highway was so backed up. I mean, it was so it was it was the basically the black color on the on the traffic, uh, the, the the coloration of the traffic on the map on your Tesla screen. So I thought, all right. I'm going to give it a try and see what happens. Maybe, you know, maybe not the best decision. I don't know, but started doing that. And there were some, there were some other cars that were doing the same thing. I wasn't the only, I wasn't just out there alone. And if anything happened, I was screwed. So did that. And yeah, it was kind of windy, but it was moving, you know, it wasn't backed up at all. So it was moving, moving, moving. And basically it was having me skip a lot of the highway and then eventually come back to the highway So I'm doing that. I'm moving through. And at one point, I'm just kind of moving through town, uh, a town. Um, I foolishly didn't write down the name, but it was um, ultimately I was heading for the Mojave supercharger, if that helps. But I I, I start going and the, the car at one point, the car says, all right, let's turn left here. Let's kind of go around a little a little bit of traffic, local traffic. Okay, so I turn left and then it says, "Okay, there's a right turn coming up. And as that right turn is approaching, I'm not seeing any cars and I'm not even seeing any road. So I get up to it and it's a little, a little, you know, kind of rural road that was not there because it was completely covered in snow. There was, (laughs) there was absolutely no road. Nobody was going. So I thought, okay, well, I'll turn around and just kind of go back, uh, on the more direct route. The car had wanted to try and save some time by routing around, but no go there. So then I'm back uh, on the road I had been on, still off the highway. And the next time, it wants me to take a right to kind of, again, try to bypass some of that highway. And I get up to a stop sign, and I'm supposed to turn right. And I look to my right, and there's a blockade, and it says, road closed, and there's just snow. And that's the point where I will tell you, uh, you know, first of all, I'll be honest. I'm not a seasoned uh, road tripper particularly in winter conditions. I had a bad experience in, in winter conditions uh, with a previous car about 10 years ago. I won't bore you with that story since we haven't even gotten to the Tesla news yet. And this is a Tesla podcast, but uh, needless to say, I, I already kind of had a little bit of anxiety about this, um, particularly with the snow around uh, so much of it. So I, I I can't make the turn the car wants me to make. So I go the only way I can go and and that's when I started to have, like, a, a mild—I won't call it a panic attack, but I really started to worry. Like, I, I really was getting very anxious, and I just—I think I said out loud with my daughter just sitting, you know, innocently in the back seat. I think I said, I don't know what to do. Because at that point, I wasn't sure if I had enough charge to make it—to backtrack to Kettleman. actually Although, actually, I had stopped— I'd gone through Bakersfield and, and topped off a little bit at Buttonwillow first. So I didn't know if I had enough to make it back to, you know, kind of the the um, I-5 type of area. And and I just didn't know if I was going to be able to get to the supercharger I was trying to get to, which was the Mojave charger. So thankfully that, that panic was short-lived because as I drove forward in the only direction I could go, uh, the... Highway 58 was quickly in sight, both visually and then on the map. So all I had to do was was just get back on the highway and just get back in that thick and heavy traffic. So And even that took a while, just getting back on. It was so backed up because it was really the only major artery for anyone. So that was unfortunate. And then, uh, unfortunately, that wasn't even the worst of it. So we're back on Highway 58, and eventually we do get to the Mojave Supercharger, which is you know Mojave, California. It was in a little kind of strip mall. I pull up and I had, you know, I'd been looking at the map and for each time I had checked, it was, it had shown zero of six superchargers available. So I knew, I expected there was going to be a line because like, all right, if it's been showing zero every time I check it, it's probably pretty busy. Plus the fact that it's only six stalls. Sure enough, I pull up and as I pull in, on the left, you can see the, the row of six superchargers, all full, and on the right, there's a parking lot with many more than six Teslas, <laughs> just a whole bunch of them all there, and so uh, I, I see there's kind of a group of people, stand small group of people, standing around outside the cars. So I rolled down my window and just ask somebody, all right, so uh, what, what's the line situation here? And they said, well, there's about 15 cars ahead of you. We've made a list here. You know, here's the piece of paper. Please add your name to the list. So I did that, parked the car. Uh, it was pretty chilly by then, too. It was probably upper 30s. Yeah. And uh, there, there was a little Mexican restaurant there. So I took my daughter in and, and got her some dinner. That was nice. Um, While the car sat not plugged in waiting and it ended up being about a two hour wait before I could even plug in and start charging and during that time I was kind of mixing my time between I I let my daughter play some Stardew Valley in the car which she seemed to really enjoy Uh, and I you know we we had been having we had some food in the, the Mexican restaurant there before it actually closed early. It was, a, it was only open till seven, and we had gotten there. I think that's something like six or six thirty. So, used the restroom, got something to eat, and then back out to the car. She plays a little video game, and and I uh, just put my jacket on and went and stood out and chatted with some of the the other owners there. And you know, to to their credit, to everyone's credit, there it was very civilized. It was very democratic. Um, everybody that pulled up, you know, there was one guy in particular who pulled up while I was standing there talking to others who, you know, the the somebody goes and breaks the news to him that there's a huge, huge line. Because by that time, it was probably 20 cars long, the line. And this guy, I couldn't hear him, but I could see that he was, like, I could visually see that he was really upset. So I kind of... There was somebody had just pulled out and they were going down the list trying to get the next car on the list in there. So I I went and just kind of stood in the parking space for a second just in case this guy was going to try to, you know, just pull right in there and cut in front of everybody. But he didn't. Uh, He was just frustrated. And I spoke with him, uh, you know, after he got settled in. And and again, yeah, I have to say it was it was really uh, good of everybody involved. You know, that's everybody was was. Traveling and it's uh, you know it's it's tough conditions. It's it's you know the tr- the charger is so overloaded, and everybody was really good about it. But the list ended up getting I was number thirty-two on the list, so they had clearly started the list some time ago. And I think when I got there, they were in the teens. So I, like I said, I had about fifteen cars ahead of me, something like that. But by the time I even got plugged in i think the list was over 50 people and then it start and then it started to taper off after that cuz it started to get into the evening and just not as many cars coming through but it was yeah it was uh it was rough but you know people were very democratic about it very civil about it but here's the thing it could have easily not been all it would have taken would have been one person to get real mad about it get real confrontational about it and of course, and I've said this many times, I think the Tesla community is phenomenal. Everybody I've ever met that's listened to this show is super nice. And every we all just have this shared enthusiasm. But the reality is, as the cars go more mainstream and more people come into the tent, you know, it's not... The cars are just going to become cars, just normal Cars to people. There, there are going to be people that own Teslas as as things as time goes on, where it's not as much of a a, a you know a secret special club to to some people, and it's just going to be a car, and they're gonna they're going to be people that just expect to pull up and charge because that's how things should work, and they're not necessarily wrong in thinking that. But my my point is that you know all it would take would be one person to have really turned that situation into a, a really stressful, difficult one for everybody there. Thankfully, it didn't happen here. But what but I've, you know, what I learned, and I, I'd heard of lines before, particularly at, at peak holiday travel times. You know, we've seen, we've seen probably videos online. You've seen pictures. You know, I talked about the, the portable mega-pack-powered uh, chargers that 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 a semi truck brought in at San Luis Obispo over uh, Christmas time there. So this is, you know, this is not a new thing. Now we were here kind of in the middle of the mountains effectively in Mojave and you know, so there was no there was no portable supercharger coming to ride to our rescue in this case. And there was a sign there that said Tesla supercharger coming soon in Palmdale, which is not too far. I mean, it's not super close, but it's not super far away. If if the Palmdale Supercharger had been open, which it's not open yet, I had enough range when I got to Mojave. I could have seen that huge line and just turn and gone to the Palmdale Supercharger had it been open. But uh, what I'm driving at here is that uh, I'm hard— And let me say this. I'm hardly the first person to suggest this. But having experienced it now and talked to a lot of people, I mean, I— I hope that Tesla is considering at least, or hopefully, working on a sort of virtual queuing process for the cars that that would not only help prevent any sort of aggression scenarios. Uh, again, you hope that doesn't happen, and it didn't here, but you know that that could prevent those kind of things and just give travelers more information. So, you know, something like. As if you've put in the Mojave Supercharger as your destination, and it, it'll tell you right away, well, because the car knows about how long it's it's going to take for you to get there. So it knows, all right, well, I'm, Ryan's not going to be there for another hour and a half. And there's a long line of cars that that's in the queue already, so the car could tell you, well... Do you want to reroute to another supercharger if you have... And it would know if you had the range to go, for instance, to Palmdale had that been open. And you could have said, yes, take me there instead. Or no, I'll just get in line at Mojave. And then, you know, maybe as you enter within a uh, a fixed radius distance of that supercharger, it would assign you a spot in line and tell you, you are number 17 in line for this supercharger. And then, you know, and if you venture outside of that radius, you lose your place in line. But if you, you know, you pull into the supercharger and then it just, you know, it wouldn't let you charge until your number comes up in line. So that's, I'm sure there are flaws in that. And I'm sure there are people much smarter than me that probably have better ideas or have thought this through better than I have, but... It seems like you know the cars are all connected to the mothership. Tesla has all of this information. They know where the cars are going. They know how many. Uh, they know where they where they're going, where they are, what each car's state of charge is. So they have all that information in real time at all times. So I I hope that Tesla is working on something like that because you know the the obvious answer is more chargers. Well, yes. That is the obvious answer, and Tesla is certainly doing that. Again, in this particular example, there'll be the Palmdale supercharger by the time, if this, if I were to come through again this time next year, Palmdale should hopefully be open by then, and it would have alleviated this situation. Of course, the other thing that could have alleviated it for me specifically, and this is something that I'll take into account for the future, are snow tires. So I have I have resolved that I am never doing this trip again without snow tires, um, even if I don't end up needing them. Like, for instance, I'm going to knock on knock on some wood right over here. Uh, I'm due to go back. I'm, I'm going back tomorrow. I'm going home tomorrow. I'm recording this from Arizona from my parents house on a new microphone, by the way, because like a, like an idiot, I managed to pack everything up. But I forgot my microphone. So I had to just go to Best Buy and buy a new microphone just now so that I could get the podcast done. And I think I'll just leave this microphone here at my parents' house so that this doesn't happen again next year. So if the show sounds a little different, uh, it's because mostly because I'm on a different microphone. Of course, I'm also in a different space as well, different size room. But anyway, um, yeah, snow tires, winter tires, I think would be the solution because uh, for me, then, then... because uh, mo- this isn't an issue. If, if most of you out there probably have all season tires on either your your 18 inch, uh, 19 inch Model Threes, or uh, if you have an S or an X, you you might be you know you might be rocking the the 19s in the S's case or the 20 in the X's case, and the all seasons could have handled that. It's only the performance cars that have the summer tires that that this is an issue for. So um, yeah, moving forward, I think just doing winter tire tires would would um, would have solved it now if the grapevine had been straight up closed like evidently it had been up to right up until I was heading that way I still would have had to go around this this all still would have happened all these charging issues but in the in this case since it they did say there was snow but CHP was escorting traffic if I had had winter tires on the car I could have gone right up the grapevine with the chps court because i would have had the proper footwear on my car to handle it so that's what i learned is uh i'm gonna do next time i do this proper tires um and then hopefully if this were to happen if if this exact situation were to happen again um and i did have to go around by this time next year hopefully that palmdale charger is open to alleviate the bottleneck a little bit but That was my adventure. The good news is the rest of the trip went phenomenally. Once I got through there, my only concern once I left Mojave was sub-freezing temperatures because again, summer tires. I was just worried about the safety of the tires in sub-freezing conditions. And so I was obsessively, I kept checking the, the couple of towns that I needed to pass through heading south to get into the the greater Los Angeles area where I knew it would be warmer. Palmdale was one of those towns. I drove right through Palmdale after leaving Mojave and the temperature, it was 30 degrees. So I was a little worried. I was like, should I do this? Should I just get a hotel for the night and just call it and do this, do this tomorrow in the sun? And I thought, no, I'm going to go for it. Uh, and thankfully it all ended up being fine. It did. I was watching my temperature gauge, the external temperature tick down. It was 35 degrees outside, then 34, then 33, then it did hit 32, it hit 31, and it hit 30, but then it th- that was probably 15 minutes, and and then I was out to I met, I connected up with the Interstate 15 heading south, which connected me to Interstate 10, and and the temperature went right back up very quickly, and then it was no problem. I stopped at Cabazon which seemed to have a bunch of broken chargers. Thankfully, I was virtually the only one there, so I was able to get a, a charge, no problem, without waiting. But that was concerning, and I'm keeping that in mind for my drive home tomorrow. And then I went to the new Ehrenberg, Arizona supercharger, which is almost literally right across the California-Arizona border. That is 11 V3. I think it's 11, but it's a it's a row of brand new V all V3 superchargers, and it's in a, a nice, well-lit uh, plaza there with a like a, I think it's a Best Western Hotel and a, and a Wendy's that appeared to be a 24-hour, if not open 24 hours, the drive-through was open. And then a, 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 conveni- a 24-hour convenience store that's adjacent to the Wendy's as well. So all right there, plus a gas station, which obviously not of use to me. But um, so it was nice, you know, in stark contrast, to quartzite arizona which is the the what i had to stop at last year before Ehrenberg opened and what anybody going between california and arizona basically had to stop at up until Ehrenberg. Uh quartzite's horrible i talked about it <laughs> on my trip last year it's just a dirt lot there's nothing there except a carl's jr that's not open 24 hours so there's there is nowhere to use a restroom if you're there if you're coming through there late at night like i was so uh long uh, to, to cap the story I, you know, I, it was, it was so late. I got to Ehrenberg, uh, Arizona's an hour ahead. So the clock ticked over one hour, uh, Arizona time. I pulled into Ehrenberg at two 45 AM. You know, the trip should have been long over with by then if all had gone well. And so I knew that I had to charge a good bit to, to make it, t- uh, in to straight shot to Phoenix. And that, you know that it was just so late, so I knew I wasn't going to get in till 5:30, 6 in the morning. And I just decided I was, I was just, I just wanted it to be over. So I was feeling okay, you know, thanks to autopilot and the smooth ride of the electric car. I was not exhausted. Uh, by the time I got there, I was pretty exhausted. Thankfully, not like the eyelids are closing, this is dangerous kind of thing. It wasn't that kind of tired. I wasn't falling asleep at the wheel at all, but I was pretty tired when we got in. But I made it. Door to door, 20 hours, almost to the dot, because I arrived at like 530 something a.m. So, you know, it's 430 California time. So 20 hours to get from San Francisco to Phoenix, thanks to weather rerouting and a a heck of a supercharger queue in Mojave. So quite an adventure, not quite what I had envisioned. Uh, Fingers crossed for better luck on my return trip tomorrow. All right. Well, I have talked more than enough about that. If you are looking for some Tesla news, you're probably pretty annoyed right now. I apologize. But it is a, a slow news week. There's not a ton to talk about. But this is interesting. These are always fun. We have another new Tesla battery patent to learn from and speculate about. This comes via Tesla Teslarati reporting. Tesla submitted the patent for uh, dioxazolinus and nit- pardon me if I slaughtered that, you scientists out there, and nitrile sulfites as electrolyte additives for lithium-ion batteries. The patent is focused on improving the company's rechargeable battery systems by adjusting the cell's chemistry. The patent claims that the addition of electrolyte additives such as lithium salts can drastically improve the longevity and performance of battery systems when combined with a non-aqueous solution. A non-aqueous solution does not include water as the solvent, but rather another liquid. Here's an excerpt from the patent. Quote, Electrolyte additives have been shown to be operative and increase the lifetime and performance of lithium-ion-based batteries. To further progress the adoption of electric vehicles and grid energy storage applications, it is desirable... To develop lithium-ion cell chemistries that offer longer lifetimes at higher at high temperatures and high cell voltages without significantly increasing cost. The introduction of sacrificial electrolyte additives on the order of a few weight percent is a practical method to form protective solid electrolyte interphase layers that limit electrolyte decomposition during cell storage and operation, end quote. So Teslarati speculates that this patent is part of Tesla's overarching plan to produce batteries that are good for a million miles. And I mentioned that, and I say I presume that they are correct in that hypothesis because Elon Musk liked their tweet when Tesla Teslarati posted a link to it. So using that as a jumping off point for what the future might look, uh, might look like, pardon me, it looks pretty darn good. You know, we know that Tesla has Jeff Don, the battery expert, doing research work for them. He is absolutely a secret weapon. Plus, you have an incredibly smart team of people at Tesla working on this full-time. It is not something that other companies are dedicating full-time employees to, you know, all day, every day. I mean, what I'm, basically, what I'm trying to say is twofold here. First, Tesla is continuing to lap the competition. You know, I've seen, as a semi-aside here, I've seen a lot of people in the Tesla community dunking on the Porsche Taycan, a Porsche Taycan, because, you know, despite the fact that it it very much seems to be a fantastic car in the performance department, its final EPA-rated range is only 201 miles after Porsche had said it would, they were aiming for a 300-mile car. Now, I personally don't think it's productive to point and laugh at Porsche, but instead, I just lament that that kind of range, 201 miles, will probably deter a number of potential buyers from choosing that car as their first electric vehicle. And you know, I'm talking probably largely about Porsche enthusiasts here who wouldn't bat an eye at the price tag. I know, you know, you could take issue with the with the price of the Taycan for sure, but but um competition you know uh what am i trying to say i bring this up to illustrate that tesla is just they're already before this patent already well ahead of the competition in the battery department and their continued advancements are just going to make it even more difficult for competitors to establish parity with tesla but the thing is you got to remember tesla is not about beating their competitors They're about luring people over to electric vehicles from internal combustion engine cars. And if and when the time comes that Tesla can go out publicly and tout a quote unquote million mile battery as a marketing point, then that will only help tip the scales in favor of the economics of a battery electric vehicle and it will help lure more people into the EV tent. And that's my second point here is that it will force uh, if Tesla pulls this off with this million mile battery that this patent seems to indicate, it will force other automakers to stay on their toes and try to catch up, which is in which is inherently even if they don't catch Tesla in the technology department, it will nevertheless make all automakers electric vehicles better which of course will get more people to buy them from all makes you know from all companies which is in service of Tesla's stated mission so i am very sure that we're going to be hearing more about this at the battery investor day coming up it's due in a few months Next up for some big supercharger news in Canada, let's go to Richard from Toronto. Richard, you're on the air.
1: Hey Ryan, uh, Richard from Toronto, long-time listener, occasional caller, and always a super fan of your podcast. Congratulations on another great year, and all the very best of the season and the new year for you and your listeners. I wanted to give you an update on some very exciting V3 supercharger news in Canada, At some point over the holidays, Tesla has gone live with no less than 27 new V3 superchargers enabling coast-to-cross Canada-wide travel using the Tesla supercharger network. This is obviously a great development and may be of interest also to listeners in the U.S. who would like to travel across Canada. Um, I did want to, again, just update you on this and also pass on kudos to the Supercharger team in Canada. So great work, Daniel, and, and the others on your team, and to wish everyone all the very best of the season. Thanks again, bye-bye.
0: Thank you for mentioning that, Richard. You said it better than I could. Uh, I will add that many of those chargers are V3 chargers. According to Tesla, over half of them, so that's good news. From And they're going from Vancouver to Halifax. Now, make no mistake, this is a big, big deal. The American equivalent of this would be roughly if, if there were no superchargers between effectively California and New York, and then in a day, boom, a bunch of chargers came online. I mean, I don't live in Canada, so I don't want to presume to speak for Canadians, but I would have to imagine that this eliminates one major item off of the list of reasons that might hold a Canadian back from buying an electric car. So Richard, thank you very much for calling in with this. The final bit of news that I have for you this week is that the first official customer deliveries of the Model 3 happened this past week at the Gigafactory 3 in Shanghai. So in uh, some videos posted online, uh, just a handful of the very first made-in-China Model 3s were handed over to employee customers, their employees there at Gigafactory 3 that had ordered cars, which is fitting in my humble opinion because those people worked so very hard to build them after the very site that they were standing on and taking delivery on was a mud field on January 1st of 2019 and by the end of December they were delivering cars. Uh, Tesla says that they'll continue delivering customer cars, uh, first, uh, or rather, uh, employee, I should say, employee cars first. And then in January here, they will move to regular non-employee customer deliveries. And in fact, uh, Tasmanian was the first to report Tesla has uh, also confirmed to Reuters that those this regular customer non-employee deliveries will begin on January 7th, which not coincidentally is the one year anniversary of the groundbreaking of Gigafactory 3. So what better way to mark that occasion? That is a, a really cool way to, to mark that uh, one calendar year. That's just tremendous. Better yet, according to 10cent auto editor Chang Yan, which again this uh, hat tip here, this comes via Tesla uh Chang Yan attended the Gigafactory 3 handover ceremony there. Gigafactory 3 is currently producing 280 vehicles per 10 hour shift or more than 1,500 cars a week on a six-day work week. Uh, The facility, according to Tesla Teslarati, will likely hit more than 3,000 Model 3s a week when more frontline workers join the production. Uh, Chang also said that 30% of the components of the made-in-China Model 3 are locally sourced, and that 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 number will climb to 70% by the middle of this year, and Tesla will eventually fully source its components locally towards the end of 2020. Uh, The note here also is that the company also plans to increase the after-sales workforce, that's phrased a little strangely, I would imagine that just means service centers, from 600 people to 1,500 people to ensure the best customer experience. So uh, this is quite a high bar for Gigafactory 4, to try and match up to but hey if they can even come close to what has happened in Shanghai over in Berlin then Tesla's global manufacturing footprint is going to grow very large and very quickly nevertheless just bright times ahead this is all excellent news as uh you probably saw the Tesla stock price ended the year in a really good place just under 420 that that uh fun number to, to end the year but it at least as i record here i'm recording early i'm recording on uh thursday afternoon january 2nd and sadly i did not receive tesla has not published their uh, q4 production and delivery numbers by the time i recorded so i expect to be talking about that with you on next week's show but yeah, recording a little early since I'm doing my drive back. I thought I would do the show early rather than late for uh, for those of you who who kindly back me on Patreon, especially since it is a bit of a slower news week. But yeah, just good times ahead. And oh, that's what I started here was the uh, the stock price is already off to a good start here as of January 2nd, 2020. All right. Those are the news stories for you here in this final holiday week here. Final week of the holiday break as everybody starts to get back to work myself included, next week. So now I've got a little special treat for you. Uh, Right before I left for the holidays, I was able to uh, have an interview with Eric Baroni. He is the sole creator uh, of Stardew Valley. It was done entirely by him, which if you know anything about video games nowadays, it is, uh, video games are, they can be done by small teams. The biggest, highest uh, production capacity ones are done by hundreds if not over a thousand people eric did stardew valley entirely on his own all of it so uh i i was able to sit down with him and chat for it's a 19 minute interview so if you're not interested in it you can skip ahead 19 minutes to the ride the lightning hotline segment after this but i hope you'll give it a listen because eric's story is really interesting and uh just you know his story about making the game all by himself and then connecting with Tesla to get the game into the Tesla cars. So uh, here is the Eric Baroni interview interview that uh, er, enjoy that pardon me and then I will be back after that with your calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline. Stay tuned. I am very pleased to be joined this week by Eric Baroni. He is the lead developer at Concerned Ape on the latest video game to hit the Tesla fleet, Stardew Valley. Eric, welcome.
2: Thanks, Ryan. Nice to be on.
0: So, uh, for for those of us who aren't familiar with Stardew Valley, it's been around for a little while here, but it's it's new to probably most people that are going to play it in a Tesla. Can you kind of give the the Cliff's Notes version on on the background of sort of what the game is and and where the idea came from?
2: Sure. Uh, so when I graduated from college, I was trying to get a job. I didn't have any success. So I, I decided I would start working on, um, like just a little game to try to get better at programming. And there was this, uh, farming RPG series that I grew up with called harvest moon that I was a big fan of. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I, I felt like that game like over the years, the games like had kind of gotten worse and uh, I thought it would be really cool to play like a a new version of that on PC. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make a really quick game that kind of is in that style. Maybe it would take six months and I would get better at programming and then maybe I could get a job as a programmer somewhere. Right. So I started working on that and what I thought would take six months ended up taking four and a half years and it, wow. it slowly escalated from just this kind of like harvest moon inspired game into the the big game that we now know as stardew valley um during the four and a half years i was the sole developer of the game the only person to work on it all the music art coding everything um and then it came now is out-
0: that does that make you does that sort of become overwhelming at any point or is it is it invigorating that that you know whatever this thing is going to be it's going to be entirely yours
2: for me it's invigorating uh i i like having that complete control over everything every aspect and it's also just fun because i think i would get bored just programming or yeah. just making art so it's fun to be able to like work on art for a while and then switch over to music for a while and then, you know, keep doing that.
0: What, Um, uh, how, how did the kind of the scope of it change and evolve from, from what your, from your original vision of it to what ultimately came out in 2016?
2: It was all a kind of a slow organic process. Um, you know, originally my scope was very small, you know, and I foolishly thought it would be six months of work. Then, as i as like i kind of got that up and going i was like well you know this would actually be more fun if i added this and then by also by that time my skills had improved to the point where i was like well all this art i made isn't good anymore so i want to go back and redo all the art and then i ended up redoing all the art probably like wow. four or five times <laughs> i redid the music one time i went back and added a bunch of systems and then kind of over the years it slowly kind of ballooned into this big project. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like when, when I finally released the game, it was, I still, uh, and I think as is evidenced by like the fact that I've released all these content updates after the game, like I didn't feel like it was finished necessarily. I felt like it was a complete game and probably some people would like it, At that point, I thought it would only be, uh, you know, people who were way into Harvest Moon, but like, yeah, I thought, okay, I I guess this game is like relatively complete. So I just like decided I had to like cut it off at this point and release it, you know, but there, there's always more ideas I have and stuff I want to add to the game.
0: Well, for, and for those unfamiliar, uh, Stardew Valley is not just sort of any one man indie project. You, you not only made a game by yourself, it it has overwhelmingly it's effectively a 10 out of 10 rated game by users on Steam which is of course the world's largest uh, PC gaming platform so you you managed to step up to the plate in your first your your first major league at bat and you, you knocked the ball over the fence i mean was the the reception to the game surprising to you at all or did you feel like as as things were really coming together you knew you had something
2: i mean i i thought that the game would maybe be mildly successful. I I was not prepared for how popular it would end up being. Um, of course, I'm extremely happy about it and think it's great. But no, I, I didn't, you know, the whole time I was making it, I thought this would only be popular with like a niche audience, you know, people who are way into Harvest Moon and were yeah. kind of nostalgic for that game. But it's ended up kind of, I think, Breaking well beyond that, I think at this point the vast majority of people who've played Stardew Valley don't have any idea what Harvest Moon is.
0: So I I I got to ask. I hope this isn't too personal a question. How, how did you did you how did you fund yourself? How did you sustain yourself for uh, something that you thought was going to take six months and ended up taking four years?
2: Well, I was for, I was fortunate to have um, a supportive girlfriend who had a job as a She was a grad student and she had a grad student like stipend. Um, And then simultaneously, I was working part time as like a theater usher. So between both of our incomes, we were kind of able to scrape by during those those years.
0: That is amazing. So the whole time you're 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 at your uh, your part time job. Are you kind of just thinking about the game the whole time and what you're going to do when you
2: get home? Oh, yeah. (laughs) absolutely cuz i know i yeah. do
0: that with playing i remember it when i when i uh i i mean i'm lucky i work at ign so i get to think about games and not get in trouble but i do that all the time where i think about what games i'm going to play when i get home so i can imagine if you're on a one man project trying to make one
2: um <laughs> for sure i was completely obsessed with that i was like basically yeah. all i did was work and sleep
0: so uh having played a, a little bit of the game i actually brought my eight year old daughter down to the car to, uh, to check it out. And she's, she's already way into it. So she's, you know, she named the character after herself and, and, you know, customized her, her look and appearance. And we named our farm Maggie's farm, which is after our, our, our first dog, uh, family dog that passed away a couple of years ago. And, uh, so she's super into it and I'm, I'm really liking it too. And my, my first sense of the game, is that it's w- probably one of the most serene video games I've ever played. Is that what you were going for? I
2: think I think to some degree, yes. Uh, I think what to answer that question, I have to kind of think back about why did I like Harvest Moon so much? And I think yeah. one of the reasons was that it was kind of, uh, you might say, an alternative approach to making a game. Most games sent you on a big adventure. There's a bunch of action. It's like, it's intended to get you like kind of amped up and excited, right? But Harvest Moon kind of was the opposite. You know, you didn't go on a big adventure. You spent the whole game in one little area, but that area kind of had a lot of depth to it. And you'd kind of, you know, you're, you would that like your experience and your standing in the village would kind of grow. So it was like, it was like narrow, but deep in scope, you might say, um, and, and, yeah, and just the fact that it was like a game about farming and kind of, it was, it had a very natural feel to it. Um, I think that it, it is something that is appealing to humans in general. And I think it's something that's underutilized in the video game world, but I think we all kind of have this urge in a way to return to nature and to kind of live in nature and experience that.
0: Well, I don't know if uh, if I if I try to play armchair psychologist for a second, is the is the sort of story of the game of leaving behind a monotonous desk job and and returning to nature and and working a farm, is is Stardew Valley the game that and the making of it the farm for you and the the, the you know you is it you trying to leave the regular sort of nine to five life behind and making video games for a living. Is that, is that your Stardew Valley?
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's correct. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which is awesome. I love that. And, and that's, I mean, it, you are now, I mean, are you, you've continued to update the game. What is, uh, I mean, how is, how is life now? I mean, you are, do you have another project going on? Sort of what's, uh, you know, your, your studio is concerned ape. What is, what is life now for you?
2: Well, so I've been working on Stardew Valley for it's it came out in 2016. It's been almost four years that it's been out now, and I've continued to work on it the entire time. Um, Concerned Ape is the name of the studio, but it's also technically just my username. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like my <laughs> online handle. Yeah. Um, however, uh, starting earlier this year, like in February, I actually hired a, a, a couple of developers and kind of formed a very small team right now it's actually just me and one other guy um Arthur and we we kind of just worked on the the new update that just came out so I think the yeah and it's like okay so while all this is happening I also do work on like new games you know kind of at night or on the weekends so I do have new stuff going on but my, my goal is to kind of simultaneously work on Stardew Valley and also my new games uh, at the same time. And that's, that's part of the reason why I formed this small team is to hopefully make that possible. Um, but I'm still personally, you know, working on Stardew Valley as my day job pretty much every single day.
0: That's amazing. So you're coming up on the better part of a decade with this as, as being your, you know, the, the primary focus of your day to day life.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it, it's my life. (laughs) It's just like Stardew Valley is my life, what I live for. It's my career. Um, and I'm very happy about that. I love, I love this game and I love bringing new content to the fans. Like it makes them very happy. The game is obviously extremely successful and I'm in a very good position where I don't have like, I'm, I'm independently published now on almost every single platform there's really no pressure to monetize the game or anything so at this point it's really just kind of i'm doing it because it's fun and because i have more ideas for the game and i love making the fans happy that's pretty much where i'm at and it's it's great
0: well let's let's now talk about the latest of those platforms which is the tesla fleet so um i i I'm fascinated by just the idea of of video games and cars. I mean, it's it's the ultimate colliding of of my two worlds from my day job at IGN to this Tesla podcast that I do. So I, I mean I've I'm certainly curious who came to who? How did this come about that that the uh that Stardew Valley is now rolling out and playable inside the Tesla vehicles?
2: Yeah. So uh Tesla reached out to me. And they just asked if I was interested in having Stardew Valley in their vehicles. And I was like, okay, this sounds cool. Why not? You know, uh, it's, it seemed like, well, first of all, it just seemed like it would, it's something kind of new, you know, to have like a video game in a car. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, it kind of was like a, an honor to be, you know, one of the first video games playable in, in cars, like that's just cool. And I'm also always excited to see Stardew Valley coming to new platforms, you know, getting in the hands of more people. Um, so, I mean, it, yeah, it just seemed like a cool idea. Tesla also, you know, said that they would handle the whole like porting of it, which they, they did. They did the vast majority of the work in, you know, getting the game working on the vehicle.
0: So they basically just asked your permission. like they 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 were clearly they clearly loved the game and just wanted to do it and they just they needed your permission.
2: Yeah, basically.
0: That's so great. I mean, that's that's got that's cool. I mean, um have you kind of thought more, you know, all the way have you kind of got all the way down the rabbit hole on that train of thought as far as, you know, the, you know, the the car you do need uh well actually that's that is a good question. I don't know if you know the answer to this or if or if I should follow up with Tesla is is it playable in all the Teslas? Or because there's there's uh there's an MCU too. There's sort of a newer GPU basically in in the newer cars and then an older one. I don't know if you need the newer one or not, like you do with Cuphead.
2: No, I think it actually works on all of them. So the Oh, that's awesome. The two are like there's the uh portrait one and then the landscape one. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it works on both of those.
0: No, oh, that's beautiful. So you've now you've effectively got You've you've just introduced your game or I mean, as we record this, it's rolling out now uh, to, you know, hundreds of thousands of potential new players. Does that I mean, I know you've already sold a lot of copies and and it's super successful, but um, it's not even the fact that you've just added to your player base by a, a, a six figure amount, but the game will continue to be available within every single new like every day there's like a thousand or however many there's thousands of new people coming to your game. That's kind of a cool thought.
2: That is cool. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the future. Um, and yeah, I mean, just being on the Tesla is a really cool thing to be able to say. And, uh, I, I have no idea like where, where, where it'll go or, you know, maybe Stardew Valley will be one of the first games in space or on Mars, you know, that'd that be pretty, pretty sweet cool. too.
0: And and now you've got the in for that. So it could happen. Um, yeah, so do you have a Tesla yourself at this point in time?
2: No, I don't.
0: Has, has this experience and, and the fact that stardew's now in the cars, has that sort of changed your plans at all? Are you, are you wanting to do it or is it something you're thinking about thinking about?
2: Uh, well, I, I wouldn't say like it changed my plans, but yeah, I mean, it does make the idea sound pretty cool. You know, uh, it would be cool. I, I, I'm not in the market for a new car right now, but when I am, I know I'm going to seriously be thinking about it.
0: Yeah. And then you can, you can go into, you know, if you, if you end up visiting a showroom, you can just sit down and say, uh, yeah, I'll order you, I'll order a car, but let me show you something cool. I made this.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for
0: um, sure. I'd probably wrap up with you by asking about any advice you have to new players. That's probably a good a good uh, place to close the circle on this for, you know, since everybody's probably going to be pretty new to the game that plays it in the car. What what sort of startup tips do you have to get your farm going and and feel like you're you're getting off on the right foot?
2: Well, the main thing I would say is don't stress out about it. The game doesn't really punish you for taking a long time to do things there's basically unlimited time to complete all the different things in the game. So I think when a lot of people start playing the game for the first time, they kind of get stressed out because there is like a time limit on each day. uh, And you have like a stamina bar and everything. Yeah. But I think if you just keep in mind that, well, I can just go exactly at my own pace, and it ultimately doesn't matter. Um, Keep that in mind. And so just take your time to explore figure things out um, I would say on your first few days you should try to maybe plant some crops uh, cut the weeds around your farm because you'll they'll sometimes drop drop what's called mixed seeds which you can then plant yeah. and that's like free uh, free crops basically um, but mostly yeah just take it easy explore and don't stress out about it just relax have a good time and uh, get to know this new world. Well,
0: to me it's you know I mentioned earlier that the game seems very serene and I think that's that's the perfect kind of game that's the that's a wonderful match for a game that you can play in your car of course everybody listening to this knows you can only play in park. I get this on Twitter all every time I mention a Tesla game like whoa, it's distracted driving like you can only play in park. But um you know driving can be stressful, right? So Stardew Valley seems like the perfect game if you're at a supercharger taking a break seems like a, a great, a perfect kind of game to sit down and play for, you know, 20, 30 minutes.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, modern life can be kind of stressful and hectic. And I like to think of Stardew Valley as a peaceful escape from that and kind of something that appeals to all of us on a very core, like fundamental human level. That idea of returning to nature, living a simpler life in a small community. Um, I think that just feels good to people, and it is deeply relaxing, I would say.
0: (laughs) Well, Eric, thank you so much. Congratulations on launching Stardew Valley into uh, another new platform and one of of the most unique new platforms for video games, the fleet of Tesla vehicles. Uh, Thank you so much, and Happy New Year to you.
2: Thanks, Ryan. Uh, Happy New Year to you, too. Thanks for having me.
0: time now for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. It is your time to shine. Your questions, comments, discussion topics as they pertain to the world of Tesla. A quick reminder that last month's Patreon-only bonus episode that was all Cybertruck talk, all callers talking about Cybertruck, it did go free for everyone, whether you're a Patreon backer of mine or not, on January 1st. If you'd like to go listen to it, you can find that on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Podcast. And the January episode for uh, Patreon folks should be done, hopefully, by the time you hear this. Most of you will hear this on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to go home. I was thinking of maybe get, trying to get it done here in Arizona, but... I did not end up with enough time. So I'll do that this weekend. Look for that. Anyway, uh, call in anytime. I invite your calls. I welcome them. I really like this part of the show, and I appreciate everybody that takes the time to call in. Please try to keep your call to 90 seconds or less. That's a minute and a half. And you can send your call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and email that file to me at... Tesla Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call anytime, day or night, leave a message on the Ride the Lightning Hotline. It's toll free, and the number is 1 888 989 8752. Again, that's 1 989 TSLA, And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Our first caller is Linda in Point Reyes Station. Linda, you're on the air.
4: Hi, Ryan. This is Linda in Point Reyes Station. My husband and I will be buying a Tesla next year, And we'll be deciding between a Model 3 and a Model Y. I love the Model 3. I think it's more sexy. But my husband is concerned about the front bumper getting scratched when parking in a parking lot where you pull up close to those concrete bumpers. This has certainly been a problem over the years with my Prius. So I'm wondering if you might have a guess if the Y might sit higher off the ground and avoid this problem. I know the Model 3 will beep at you when parking if you get too close to a wall, but it seems like that camera is too high to recognize a concrete bumper. So thanks very much for sharing your passion with us on your most excellent podcast. Best wishes for a very happy new year, and please give Daisy a pat for me.
0: Hi, Linda. Thank you for calling in. And yes, I will give Daisy... there. Daisy, there you go. That's from Linda. Your uh, pat has been delivered to Daisy. Uh, thank you for calling in. So the good news, or perhaps bad, since what I'm about to tell you might not make your decision any easier, is that both cars can absolutely avoid this. While, yes, it will be easier to do in the Model Y because it does indeed sit higher, what I do in my Model 3 is park short on purpose, then get out and use summon to move it further into the space while I'm standing outside of the car and can watch it up close so that it doesn't risk hitting that little, uh, you know, the parking curb there. And I know, I know there are folks out there that might be listening right now and saying, never pull into a space, always back in. And While they're right, that that it is a good policy to back in whenever you can, since it makes getting out of the spot easier and you have a better look at their license plate on sentry mode if anything were to happen. Uh, But the thing is, you you can't always back in in reality. Sometimes you've gotta pull in or it's really, really inconvenient to back in. So anyway, uh, Linda, I hope that helps answer your question. If the cargo space and seating capacity isn't an issue for you, I would recommend the Model 3 because it's going to give you a bit more range for a bit less money. But if those things are concerns to you, then it's certainly a tougher call. But the good news is, it's a really fun decision you get to make, and you're going to end up happy either way. David from Minnesota, you are next. Welcome to Ride the Lightning.
5: Hey Ryan, I'm David from Minnesota. I love this show. I noticed recently that some of the other car companies are starting to add USB Type-C ports to their cars. USB Type-C is obviously better technology than the current standard USB ports. And I'm wondering if there's any news on Tesla adding the USB Type-C ports to some of the cars that are set to be released soon, like the Model Y. Again, I love the show. You do a great job. Thanks so much. Bye.
6: David,
0: this is an excellent call because this is something that I hadn't thought about. But you're absolutely right. It would make a lot of sense for Tesla to incorporate USB-C as a standard port into future vehicles. Maybe not the Y, since it's sharing most parts with the Model 3, including the whole center console. But yeah, Cybertruck, Roadster, etc., for sure. And and that's also not to say that there won't be a revision at some point to the Model 3 and Model Y center console that does swap one of the USB ports out for a USB-C port. I mean, you can't just switch entirely over to C because most everybody still has the traditional USB ports, but yeah, maybe swapping one of them out for a USB-C port could be useful as
6: a, as a sort of uh, future-proofing thing.
0: Thank you, David. Alex from Minnesota is next. Alex, you're on the air.
6: Hey there, this is Alex from Minnesota, and I placed an order for the Cybertruck. I'm super excited about that. And what it looks like to me is just a giant fun machine. Uh, like you say, Teslas are meant to be fun, and this looks like it has it all. My kids are going to be teenagers in a few years. I think that'll be a perfect time. Uh, they had some ideas. they They're wanting some sort of zombie squad package with the camping setup and the cyber quad and maybe the optional not a flamethrower to start some campfires. Uh, I had my question for you is about the interior, the durability. The truck is probably going to end up lasting a million miles or so, something that you could potentially pass down to kids with that stainless steel body. And I'm wondering, is the interior going to hold up to that long lifetime? Uh, I kind of cringed when I heard that the dashboard was made of some sort of paper product. I was more hoping for something that you could end up just hosing down the interior if you need to. And uh, since you had uh, first-hand experience getting a ride in the Cybertruck, I wanted to see what you thought of the interior durability. Uh, Thanks a lot. I love the podcast. Bye.
0: Totally fair question here, Alex. We know Tesla doesn't use leather, so you won't have to worry about wrinkles and cracking like traditional leather. And for all we know, the production Cybertruck may end up using cloth seats as an option or maybe even by default uh, because the intended utility of the Cybertruck, right? And I think it's too quick to judge anything about the dashboard, in my humble opinion, All we have is one offhand comment from a Tesla test ride driver about that dashboard. We don't know what the dashboard material really truly is, nor do we know how well it holds up. I would say though, that hosing down the interior, I don't know how literal you were intending that to be, but that was always probably going to be a non-starter in the Cybertruck because of the very vital piece of electronics in the very center of the dashboard, that being the touch
7: screen. Thanks for your call. Aaron is up next. Aaron, go ahead. Hey Ryan, thanks for all the great podcasts this year. I was enjoying the new holiday update and was trying to use some of the new voice commands, which have been amazing. And finally the speaker started working. Um, I had the same issues you did. The one thing I did wish, and wondering if other people out there are looking for the same thing, I do wish that uh, the voice activation didn't require a button press. So, you know, if you use products like Alexa or Google Home, it would be, you know, uh, hey, Alexa, blah, or okay, Google, blah, blah. Um, You know, I wish uh, there was some trigger word for Tesla, whether it would be, hey, Elon or something like that. Uh, That would really make uh, the feature set even more valuable than it is today. Um, And given that they don't have a battery problem, I would hope that that they could have an always-on microphone. I know there's some security concerns around that, but it really would make the convenience of things like turning up the AC or turning on the windshield wipers a lot easier. Would love to know your thoughts. Thanks.
0: I totally agree with you here, Aaron. I would love to have that as a toggleable option. The button press is mildly annoying, but it's more the pause in my music that's annoying. And believe me, I realize this is an extremely first world complaint right now. Uh, You know, the, the always listening for keywords thing, that really is normal now because of the very home assistant devices that you mentioned. Hey, Elon is funny, I like that. Hey, Tesla could be a good one, too. Hopefully, they will add this at some point down the road. Let me talk to Adam in Orlando. Up next, go ahead, Adam.
5: Hi, this is Adam from Orlando. Me and my dad both have Teslas. I have a Model 3 and he has a Model S. Unfortunately, we have different accounts. So when I go into my app, I only have access to my account. To log into his Tesla, I have to log out of my account and log into his account. Is there a way to do a quick switching so I don't have to go through this process every time I wanna log into his car?
0: Thanks, bye. Adam, unfortunately, as far as I know, the only way to do this would be to transfer your car onto his account or vice versa. And I realize that might be a bit farther than you're wanting to go here. If anybody out there has another idea to help Adam out, I would be more than happy to have somebody call in or email me that I could then uh, forward along to adam thanks so much for your call rob in bloomington illinois is my next caller rob take it away hey ryan this is rob from bloomington illinois here's my question in
5: 2020 i hope to get an electric vehicle i'm trying to figure out which one will be the best for me to get so i've done some research today while i was doing
0: some research on the internet i saw posts about teslas having sudden acceleration issues do you think this is really a problem or is it what you might call FUD? Thank you very much for an enlightening podcast. I hope Daisy the Boxer pup is having a nice nap. Rob, she actually is napping right now. Good call. Uh, welcome to the podcast, by the way. Yes, indeed, that information was most certainly fear, uncertainty, and doubt, a.k.a. FUD. In each of those cases that you're referring to, Tesla's logs, since the car tracks every input and maneuver, kind of like the black box of an airplane, have shown that the owner did mistakenly press the accelerator. Now, this happens all the time in gas-powered cars, too. It happens in all kinds of cars, by the way, for the very same reason. You know, just user error. It happens. So... No need to worry about that being a problem if you're considering a Tesla as one of your options. Good luck and have fun shopping. Jay in Hickory, North Carolina. You, sir, are next.
5: Hey, Ryan. This is Jay calling from Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, First time caller, a new listener to the podcast, but I followed you through your uh, podcast on Lost Days. Um, I've got two things for you guys. Um, one, I, while scrolling through Instagram, I kind of noticed something kind of cool. Um, currently their lineup spells sexy. Um, but then if you also look at their other offerings, it's with the Cybertruck, the ATV, the Roadster and the Semi, it also spells cars. So if you look at it all, it says sexy cars. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, next thing is a, an idea, um, kind of to a follow-up question you had, um, about somebody, you know, with the Cybertruck, I've got a Cybertruck. Pre-ordered as well, um, but they were considering, you know, when towing and um, trying to go to a charging station, uh, you know, how how the logistics of that, you know, trying to access the the charging port without having to unload. Um, could there possibly be some kind of like extension cord or long cable that you could kind of plug into the your Cybertruck and then uh, connect that at the charging port? Didn't know if you know if they've looked at something like that before. But anyways, love the podcast, um, and can't wait for the next couple years to get that Cybertruck. All right, thank you,
0: Jay. Welcome to the podcast, and thank you for your call. Uh, that is a really great and typically funny Tesla observation about the new acronym. Using you know using the ATV, the Cyberquad, little bit of a cheat, but it's all good. It's all in good fun. Sexy cars, I like it. That sounds good to me. Uh, as for your idea. Uh, That's actually an incredibly smart idea. I love it. And we know that those extension cables exist because the Tesla Semi has been photographed at the Kettleman City Supercharger, among other places, plugging into multiple superchargers at once using extension cables. So, you know, perhaps one could be included with the Cybertruck or sold as an optional accessory on the online Tesla store. That could be a great way to at least partially get around the logistics of supercharging while towing. Great call here, Jay, thank you very much. Jackson from Connecticut is next. Go ahead, Jackson.
3: Hey Ryan, Jackson from Connecticut here, long time listener. I've got a lot to say and I'll try and keep it brief. So I've been thinking about Tesla and Apple partnering up. No, I'm not saying that Apple should buy Tesla or anything like that. I just think there is an interesting project the two similarly aligned companies could work on together for Tesla cars to become the first cars in the Apple Home. It's an interesting partnership between Apple and Tesla that brings value to the customers of both companies. So Apple Home and HomeKit are platforms for Apple devices to control digital smart home devices, and it's a similar setup to that of Alexa and Google Home and uh, Samsung smart homes. This partnership would be useful because it would offer another way to interact with your Tesla, and it would be possible to use... On more devices currently not available with the Tesla app, uh, such as the Apple Watch, TV, iPad, and Mac. Apple Home offers automations and is secure and powerful and can be accessed from anywhere in the world. But what really makes me think that this technology connection will be possible is because HomeKit requires the car to have a strong Bluetooth and Wi-Fi connection. And obviously, Teslas have both of those and are known for their software-first nature. So I'm wondering what you think about this partnership with Tesla and Apple. Would Tesla do it? Do you see this as a benefit to customers? Maybe you could explain the mockups that I sent along as well. Since I'm someone that knows a little bit about the smart home setups, as I have one myself it, within the Apple home, I would say it's technically possible, and then it would be a great partnership if Tesla ever gets around to it. If you want to hear more about this, I made a deep-dive YouTube video, so go ahead and search Tesla Apple Moonshot, and it'll come up. Anyway, thanks for all you do, Ryan, and Happy New Year.
0: I'd certainly love to see it, Jackson. I think Tesla would do it, but I doubt they would be willing to pay Apple for it. That's my humble opinion. If someday we see Apple CarPlay in our Teslas, then I think the idea of integrating the cars into the Apple HomeKit would be more feasible, but... Again, my opinion, and I would be more than happy to be wrong about this, is that we'd have to see them start a little smaller. Kind of a learning to crawl before they can walk, so to speak. But it would be great to see for sure. I think the partnership could be mutually beneficial. We've got, let's see here, one, two, two more callers this week. So let's finish strong. We've got Lindy in Eureka up next. You're on the air, Lindy. Hi, Ryan.
8: This is Lindy up in Eureka, California. Just calling. I just finished listening to your latest podcast and uh, heard the information about the latest update, which I received, and all the new voice commands. But what I didn't hear, and I think is the best thing in the whole release, is that the voice commands now let you control the windshield wipers. I didn't see this in any of the documentation, but I was driving up through the Redwoods, and it started raining, and I thought, what the heck? And I hit the button and said, turn on the wipers, and the wipers came on. This is the best thing ever. This is wonderful. I don't know why they didn't include this, because this is what we've all been asking for. So I'm sure a lot of other people have called in with this too, but I hadn't heard, so I thought I'd call and let you know. Love the podcast, been listening to it forever. Keep up the great work, and look forward to hearing you even more in the future. Oh, by the way, I also had my order in for the Cybertruck about 10 minutes after it rolled onto the stage, getting the dual motor and looking forward to that too.
0: So keep up the great work. Lindy, thank you so much for the call and for the kind words. I will be honest with you. I hadn't thought to try the wipers with voice. I'm so glad you did and how cool is it that works. I'll give it a try the next chance I get. And if the uh, weather gods are listening, No, I am not wanting rain or worse on my drive home tomorrow from Arizona. Uh, Happy New Year to you, Lindy. Last and certainly not least is Cameron from Waco, Texas. Cameron, take us home.
9: Hey, Ryan, this is Cameron from Waco, Texas. Uh, We just made the long drive, my wife and I, from Kansas City to Waco this past weekend after the holidays. And for the first time ever, I could not make it to the next supercharger. We actually had to stop at a charge point charger because of some super heavy wind. And it brought to mind a potential feature request would be weather data. For Tesla to pull weather data from, you know, the weather service and factor that into your potential range. They kind of already do that with, you know, the way your your past 30, past 50 miles have been driving. But I think it'd be a really cool feature to add. And it also got me to thinking, I had a couple questions for you. Does autopilot take more energy than just me driving? Uh, in other words, if, I'm, if, I'm, if it's questionable whether I'll make it to the destination, should I drive or is it okay to keep autopilot on? I was also uh, wondering if anyone had experience drafting behind semis. <laughs> I barely made it to the supercharger, uh, after the charge, I had three miles to spare and the whole way I, I drove right behind this semi. I was wondering if that's just stupid or if that works. Uh, let me know your thoughts. Thanks for the podcast. You're
3: awesome.
0: Hey Cameron, I am very sorry to hear that your trip didn't go as planned. As you heard earlier in this podcast, I can relate to that. So first, uh, no drafting behind semi trucks is not dumb. It does indeed work, but you've got to be reasonably close. I mean, I'm sure that your mind was pretty occupied with your dwindling state of charge during your drive, but if you had had your efficiency screen open or your energy screen, you would have seen your watt-hour per mile number go down while drafting the semi. As to your idea, I'm with you. I would love to see the weather of your destination and even of your journey along the way shown on the screen, and as you suggested, it would be great to have it factored in more tightly into the navigation's predictive information as well. I mean, as another example, from Ehrenberg or Quartzite, from so from those uh, first superchargers on the you know the west edge of Arizona near the California border as you're heading east into the Phoenix area. My watt hour per mile was a good bit higher for that final stretch, presumably because there is a not insignificant but slow and subtle elevation climb from the California border heading on up into Phoenix. I mean, that's predictable, at least. But in your case, the wind there wasn't as predictable so yeah i would love to see more weather data both on the screen and more deeply integrated into the nav but i'm glad you made it okay that's that's the most important thing Uh, before i end this segment just want to say a quick word to mike from massachusetts i hope you can get your acceleration boost situation squared away with tesla good luck to you also i want to thank everybody who called in or emailed Offering to help out Michael from Australia with a factory tour while he's visiting the Bay Area. I think we've got him squared away. So real big shout out to the entire Ride the Lightning audience for being willing to to take care of a fellow listener and fellow uh, Tesla soon to be owner. That'll do it for me here in the Ride the Lightning hotline, but I'm not quite done yet. Got a little more to talk about right after this. Before I go, I wanted to give a quick shout out and a thank you to the six kind gentlemen who took me up on my offer to have a a little Arizona Ride the Lightning meetup while I was in town. I had a really great time chatting about all things Tesla with Dave, Lorenzo, David, Chase, Chance, and Jeff. Really good times, guys. We had a we had four Model threes lined up all together in the in and out parking lot, which I saw some some teenage kids eyeing with a with an approving glance at one point. So that was super fun. And in fact I had such a good time, I would love to do it again with anybody else interested in meeting up maybe next year if uh, if indeed I come down here at this time of year again. Uh, one more note from my trip, just floating something out to the audience. Is it just my car? or are the auto high beams, the auto high beams on the Model 3, like embarrassingly bad? I'm not sure if it's exactly the same on the S and the X, but I just ended up turning them off after a while during my drive to Phoenix. Uh, more, well, it turned out, of course, since it was 20 hours of time, more than half of my drive ended up being in the dark. So, you know, I had the headlights on, I'm out on the interstates, you know, it's, I don't really use them in my day-to-day life because the you know freeways and roads of, of the Bay Area are just pretty well lit. But you know, you get out there on the dark interstates, and so I've got the auto high beams going, and they just kept flicking on and off so much so that I started to worry that the drivers ahead of me thought I was like angry at them for some reason. So I was just kind of floating that idea out there. I don't know if that's just me or if, if other people have experienced this. On a happier note, after some 90% daily charges for the last, I guess, couple, few weeks, and then this trip, my car went from showing 287 miles of maximum 100% range up to estimating 297. And when I checked it just now, it's down to 292. So I still don't understand the algorithm, but it does at least appear malleable. It does seem to adjust based on various factors. So I'm not as quite as paranoid that I've actually lost any significant range. All right, real quick, a pro tip of the week. This one is from Jose in San Antonio. Go ahead, Jose. Hey, Ryan, this is
10: Jose from San Antonio. Longtime listener, never really had a reason to call in until I thought about this tip. Uh, Right now, I just finished listening to episode 228 about HBO Go and a few other apps that are coming to the vehicles. Very excited about that. I just wanted to let everybody know that there's also a way to be able to watch any purchased films that they have on their iTunes or Vudu or Google accounts. If you uh, use the app Movies Anywhere and link those other apps into your system, you can actually go through your YouTube on your Tesla and watch your purchased film through there. Just finished watching myself. uh, The newest uh, Avengers movie that came out last year, and uh, very, very happy to see it on the gorgeous monitor in the Model 3. Just want to let everybody else know that that's possible if they didn't know. Hope you have a great day, and I love what you do with the podcast, brother.
0: Yes, Jose, thank you very much. That is a wonderful tip. I've heard this mentioned online, but you explained it very well. The YouTube app seems to be a bit of a cheat to be able to watch a lot of neat stuff, in full screen, so I appreciate your call. Uh, let me just give a couple quick New Year's plugs here to my uh, friends around the Tesla community. As far as uh, Immaculate Reflections goes, I'm told one killer leftover Black Friday full paint protection deal left. So again, if you're in the Bay Area or you're going to be taking delivery in the Bay Area, even if it's if if it's just coming up, you can you know try to get in touch with uh, Immaculate Reflections and maybe claim. That last one, you can always uh, reach out and find out, but it's it's an incredibly good deal, I have been assured, uh, and, such, and makes sense because the rest of them have all been taken, so it must be a pretty good deal. Anyway, drop them a line if you're interested in full-body paint protection film and you are going to have your car in the Bay Area. IRdetailing.com. He's also got some other discounts running for uh, partial paint protection film packages as well as ceramic coating. Just get in touch with him. And he can tell you all the details. Uh, meanwhile, abstractocean.com continuing. One of uh, my longest running promotional friends here on Ride the Lightning. They've got had that, uh, that 15% off discount running for, gosh, it's got to be a year and a half, maybe even a couple of years now. So if you're a new listener to the podcast, check out abstractocean.com. They've got a ton of great Tesla stuff and Tesla accessories for you, for your car, tempered glass screen protectors, the uh, center console r- do-it-yourself wrapping kits are very popular. A lot of stuff over there. R- uh, AbstractOcean.com, coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout for that 15% discount off of your very first order, and RTLPODCAST being all one word there. Meanwhile, if you want that stop, uh, one-stop shop Sentry mode slash dashcam setup, you know, with something that is designed for frequent and constant reading and writing. That's not gonna not gonna crap out like just a regular USB stick. PureTesla.com slash RTL is the URL to go to, $49 will get you the 128 gigabyte kit, or if you want to step up to the 256 gig, it's $69, it comes fully formatted for Tesla cam, dash cam usage, and it is plug and play right out of the package and into your car, works with Mac and PC, they'll ship anywhere in the world, Uh, worldwide is, uh, you know, you'll have a, a modest shipping fee, but free shipping anywhere in the u.s so again that's pureteslacom slash rtl and uh then there's of course my friends at jada the wireless charging pad for model 3 if you've got a Qi wireless uh compatible wireless charging compatible smartphone the model 3 uh jada dash uh, dash cam no <laughs> the jada wireless charging pad is an excellent solution i've uh I've used mine in my car for a while, super love it. So, the referral URL there, if you wouldn't mind using this, because full transparency, they throw me a couple bucks if you buy it through my link. It's getjada.com. That's G E T J E D A. Getjada.com slash R E F slash eight. They've also got that uh, USB hub as well to add a few, uh, like it's like, I think it's two extra USB ports, and then there's a USB C port and then the hidden uh, spot behind the little fake wall for your for your, uh, dash cam kit, which is super nice, too. So it fits nice and flush right in the, the Model 3 center console. Well, that'll do it for me. I want to say thank you and Happy New Year to all of you. Here's to a wonderful wonderful year of Tesla news and information. I'll be here with you all year. That is certainly the plan, as always. If you enjoy this podcast and you feel like, hey, you know what? Brian's been, been there for me. I'd like to go ahead and take the extra step in supporting him. You can support me on Patreon. My Patreon page is found at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. There you'll see all the different sort of su- the levels that you can support at and the little extra goodies that supporting at each level gets you. So if you see fit to that, I would sincerely appreciate you taking a look at the Patreon page. But I will be here for you regardless each and every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at DMC underscore Ryan. As I've mentioned earlier on the show, my email address here is teslapodcast at gmail.com. And before I go, I want to give a huge thank you and shout out, of course, to the Patreon producers, including the newest ones, the Lydia family and Michael Regal. Thank you all very, very much for your newfound support. In addition to the existing Patreon producers, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Michael Lester, Robert Mericle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Chris Konesnick, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, Charlie Gillespie, Cos Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Scott Gillis, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Anguin, Chase Cabaneas, Richard Fulkers, Matt Kalen, and uh, Trenton from Myrtle Beach. Thank you all very much for your support. If you're not already subscribing to the podcast, you can do so. That's a non-monetary transaction. It's simply a convenience for you. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, which, yes, is inside your Tesla, uh, Spotify, or you can find me on YouTube, too. Again, there's no video there, but if you do prefer to listen to your podcasts or listen to this podcast via YouTube you can do that just search it's probably easiest to just search ride the lightning tesla podcast and my channel there will pop right up well again happy new year to all of you uh it's going to be a fun one super looking forward to it lots of great stuff on tap the launch of the model Y hopefully the launch of the Tesla Semi and then uh hopefully we'll learn more about Roadster maybe maybe learn a bit more about Cybertruck it's going to be a good one stick with me i'll be here with you each and every sunday Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you next week.
6: I mean, I think a Tesla...